Welcome, everyone. It's the USL Show. Uh, our normal host, friend, and sometimes facilitator, uh, Mr. Evan, is uh, taking the week off. So uh, Kevin McCamish here to take over for him, and I'll do my best to be a host, a friend, and not a facilitator. <laughs> uh, with me is uh, Ryan, the only stat person to have joined our Slack channel. <laughs> Good morning from Glasgow. I was happy to have my final exam earlier today and saw my 20th different Scottish football match today as well. 20th. You're That's doing amazing. it right, man. That's exactly right. You're living right. And the uh, the voice you just heard is Phil Grooms, two L's, two O's. Yep. I just had uh, the classic birthday dinner with my grandma at a hibachi place, and it was delicious. It was good. Awesome. And running out our lineup tonight is Mr. Billy Walton from Off the Pitch. Hello, gentlemen. It's uh, it's great to be on here with you guys. I say that now. <laughs> <laughs> great to have you. <laughs> it's not a good time for an OKC person to be on the OSL show. <laughs> it is not. I may have to go into hiding. That's <laughs> It's true. Do we have an OKC match to talk about? We probably do. Yeah. Well, yeah maybe we'll see tomorrow. So, yeah. but this is the USL show. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, and we are a part of the beautiful Game Network. So check those things out, and we'll talk about more at the end of the show. Uh, let's jump into some news first, fellas. Do 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 do. Probably the biggest thing we'll talk about, at least as far as USL goes. Christian Valeski signs for OKC. Woo! What a coincidence. We've got Billy Walton on the show. What a coincidence. Is this breaking news? I think it's breaking as of like an hour or two ago, Max. It wasn't that long. Dude, tell tell me the OKC side. How are you guys feeling? We're excited. Um, All over social media, as as soon as that release came out, uh, everybody was really, really happy that we've got another attacking option. Because right now, we just got Jose Angulo back in. Uh, from from an injury uh, that he suffered in the offseason. And we really just haven't had a true number nine. We, we've got good guys that can get the ball forward, get the ball in the final third, but we're not putting it in the back of the net, obviously, with the uh, what two goals we scored in, in, <laughs> in nine matches. So it's not, it's not great for us right now in terms of the attacking sense. All the other facets of the game we're doing really well at, but we're not, be able, we're not being able to put it in the back of the net. So having somebody like Christian Valeski who, who can score goals, who's done it and has played. He's been on good teams and he's been a good player on those teams. So having that kind of guy and, and being able to uh, snipe him away from, from St. Louis, getting another forward from St. Louis, another victory for us. So, and it worked out last time with, with Jose pretty nicely. Not too bad when you get a guy, you know, just a little over a third into the season and he comes up being the fifth best scorer in the league. Yeah. I'll take it. Pretty good. So you from St. Louis, how would you? How did this transfer arise from? Because Valeski dressed out for his last match against Portland Timbers too, but he was an unused sub on the bench. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, a, a couple of us said something like, "It's weird that Valeski's on the bench and, and Dequa is starting," and so that did raise some eyebrows. But there have been some injuries, and maybe someone needed rest or something like that. Um, but but here we are with this. Really, truly explains why I think that was happening. And, um, you know, it's been, I don't know. He wasn't the, I don't think he was the first choice guy after the first couple of games. Cause he wasn't able to score, I think early on and Greg came in and did such a good job. He scored, I think once every time he's played, um, or at least every time he started. So I know I've had my doubts about Valeski that's obviously started last year, but, but we wanted to put all that behind us and wanted to give him another shot and he kind of sim- looks like a similar guy this year that's just kind of struggling, even though he's getting chances with St. Louis, quite a few of them. He's only put, I think, two away uh, this year, one of them against OKC. So I imagine uh, Billy and I were talking about how you know they liked that, <laughs> that they watched him score a goal on them. And um, he has certain qualities that are perfect um, and then that could really work out for OKC. But we have a lot of attackers that are doing kind of equally well. And maybe Valeski was just kind of the extra guy, or maybe they saw something that St. Louis that they didn't like. I personally have been a little bit low on him this year, even after just seeing him in preseason. So, um, you know, I was almost kind of excited to see him go, but only if St. Louis has someone in mind to fill that slot or to use up that extra, you know, salary money, no cap, but extra salary money to buy someone else that's hopefully really good. I know they were 
keeping their eye on some guys that were busy at the end of last season during the old cup, the gold cup. And so perhaps it's a good quality caliber player um, that, you know, isn't going to the world cup, but maybe plays for a national team that they weren't able to get last year. That would be really nice. But if they don't have someone lined up and they just wanted to free up some space and they don't make a splash, OKC won this trade hands down. All they all that St. Louis got was an international slot. So uh, could be really good for OKC and, and still kind of questionable for St. Louis till they till they do something. Yeah. All right. Well, sounds good. <clears throat> so, yeah, so uh, kind of some big news there. Striker moving down or to the West a little bit. And we can talk um, more about like how that affects both teams probably as we talk about, you know, what the teams look like in in the games they played. Yeah. Um, some other news. Looks like Birmingham Legion began construction on a home stadium. So that's cool. Big deal. Um, DC United in MLS, they trademark a new Ludone. Is that how you pronounce Loudon. it? Loudon. They pronounce yeah. a new Loudon United logo. How do, um, so how do we feel about that, boys? I, cool, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the wing is a good callback to the old uh, DC United logo of 1996, but the horse seemed like a weird choice to kind of throw in there. It's not a Pegasus. It's just DC United like an eagle. It's also kind of a little too, like, they found that on the internet somewhere and pasted it in. Doesn't it look a little underwhelming, perhaps? Well, well here's here's my question. So... They're currently affiliated with the Richmond Kickers. So is this like a rebrand of the Kickers, or are they yeah, like potentially they're going to create a, their own MLS two side? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well. Although I will say the logo definitely looks like something that like a competitive chess team would use. Yeah, it looks like a knight. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I have to agree with you on that one. Yeah. And we'll have to talk more at some point about how this affects the kickers who seem to rely on those affordable loans from DC. Uh, but I imagine that'll come up throughout the throughout the uh, rest of the year. Yeah. But there's a lot. Well, I mean, this wouldn't be anything happening in 2019, or I mean, in this season for sure. I mean, it could happen as early as 2019, but but we'll see. Because mm. um, there is still the potential that USL is going to go to three conferences starting in 2019. I think I haven't heard any updates, but last I heard, it was 2019. As I think the, as... the way things are stacking up, you see all these teams that are kind of forming, and you see it, it's time it's taking shape. And I think we even talked about it a little bit preseason with you guys is. You see these dominoes that are starting to be set up. I think it's just waiting for the the right timing. But I think 2019 is what they're shooting for. Yeah, Bill, it looks like St. Louis is switching conferences again. Hey man, that's my only requirement. Once <laughs> and a that's, year. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about. You go east, west, east, west, east, west, and then central. Yep. But maybe you'll stick in the central. Maybe. Well, well the good thing about central for you guys though will be you get Cincinnati back if, mm. if they're still in in USL. You get Cincinnati, you get, you know, Louisville, possibly. You get some of those teams that you guys like to travel to, which I know is a Memphis. big. Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Exactly. Uh, Memphis will be fun, and, and Birmingham will be an interesting interesting trip, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, would they, would they, would Central pick up the Southeast? It's people are up in, like, not up in arms. People are wondering whether it's going to be someone like Birmingham in the East or if perhaps Colorado switchbacks went from the West. Both of those would be kind of strange, but if you had to pick one, um, you'd have to get one of those two borderline if, if they were short. One well, I team. mean, <clears throat> when you look at a map, as far as like trying to pick an equal number of teams, you've got a lot of teams in the West Coast, like on the coast, and you wouldn't need too many things to pick up f- from like East of Nevada and stuff like that. Um, probably one or two, which you maybe you could pick up Phoenix some and Monarchs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so so Colorado, if they're further east than the Monarchs, would be fine. Mm-hmm. And then on the East Coast, you've got tons of things. So really, you've, you're going to have like a West Coast Conference, an East Coast Conference, and then everyone <laughs> in between will be the Central. That's a good way of thinking about it. Actually, that's a really good point. That's true. And, and the thing, and what sucks is that means that the Central Conference will be the one that has the most travel to do. Just because there's like 10% of the West Coast will be a conference and 10% of the country on the East Coast will be a conference and then 80% of the center will be a center conference. That's a lot of ground to cover. I have full faith in Ryan to uh, figure out the mileage in the max distances and that sort of thing right at the beginning of next year when we figure this out. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be comparable to West Virginia doing a slate of Big 12 conference games. Good point. Yeah, that was weird too. Be prepared for them. Mileage counting Ryan. Um, so what's this about Wayne Rooney in serious talks about signing with DC United? Like how, how serious is serious? 
I don't know, was posted on um, Washington Post. It was sent on the MLS Reddit. I just thought it was worth mentioning, although I do do want to bring up that DC United did have an affiliation deal with Sunderland, who have oh. now dropped down to League One. So maybe they can get that affiliation deal back up and maybe DC and I can help out Sunderland a little bit. <laughs> oh, God. I think that's true. That almost sounds depressing. That be... <laughs> it's the most depressing soccer well, news I've heard in a while. <laughs> Sunderland shouldn't be oh, a, a League One team with a 48,000 seat stadium. Oh, now, who would you guys... Okay, if you could only save one... And you're war- you want to warn Fernando Torres not to go to Chicago, or do you want to warn Wayne Rooney not to go to DC United? Torres. You want to well, one? well <laughs> I, I would warn Torres not to go to Chicago, and I would warn DC not to buy Wayne Rooney. There you go. How about that? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, Perfect. it's funny. Like it's funny how all these MLS teams. A lot of the league is moving towards younger players with more like more potential uh, than than like you know street cred, like recognizability or whatever the, whatever term you want to use. Um, but still, when you get some a name like Torres Rooney, it's it shocks me the amount of teams that line up and just open up their pocketbooks. But it surprises me that Torres is going somewhere like Chicago as opposed to a Southwest or a Northeast team. I don't know. I, he wants to go somewhere warm. But Chicago are like first in line. So it's going to be the whole thing. It was like, can you promise me that Chicago is going to be warm? And they're like, uh, sure. yes. I'm like, no, I'm going to go to Houston. <laughs> it's a real windy well, warm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for the odds currently at the moment, they have um, uh, Fernando Torres at four to seven going to any MLS club, five to two to go to any super Chinese Super League club and six to one to go to any Australian A-League club. Well, he should go to A League, although it'll be wintertime soon, but winning at all. Yeah. So uh moving on with some other news. Peter Vermes inks a new deal with Sporting Kansas City through twenty twenty three. So he'll totally be the next US men's national team coach. Won't he? <laughs> <laughs> he probably won't be. He probably won't be the next coach. Um, but who knows? It could. I mean, the thing is, like, I, if he's if he inked a new deal, he's, that means they're gonna the, the, probably Sporting Kansas City was like, we would rather keep you than lose you, yeah. and so we'll just pay you a lot of money to stay. And he's probably like, all right, cool, works for me. Well, if anything, this is a show of faith from Kansas City. This is, hey, we whatever you want to do, that's fine, but we want you here, so we'll give you that five years, whatever it is, you know. So there was at a, least yeah. to look forward to. There was a crazy good article article put out by Bobby Warshaw, who I think is putting out. Article. Uh, I've had one beer so far tonight and working on another. But uh, anyway, he puts out really good articles every week about MLS. And and the one this week was Peter Vermes. There you go. And comparing some of the moves and changes in in, uh, tactics that are like kind of similar to some Pep Guardiola moves, only a couple. And so maybe that's a distant comparison, but it was interesting to see how Vermes has been successful with, with a roster that I feel like is not quite as talented as some of the teams he's beating. So um, I thought that was a good read, but I think the obvious joke from someone like me who loves USL about Vermes getting signed to 2023 is um, I guess Swope won't have a good field for another five so years. Perhaps. He doesn't care. He does not he care. care. He does not care. It's a funny story how he actually got it. I mean, I, I, I heard it, being brought up on um, some radio shows this morning, but I mean, he took over for an alpha and basically, I guess ownership came to him and said, this is your mess. And he said, F it, I'm going to fix it. Mm-hmm. So and he, and he fixed it. And now he's, now he is, you know, arguably the best coach in, in MLS. And I don't know. It's hard to argue with that. I don't know. There are many that have had the success he has, at least consistency. He's, he doesn't have the cups, but he's been consistently in the playoffs, consistently going at least one or two rounds in. He's got a U.S. Open cup. cup. Yeah, he has an Open Cup and, I think, an MLS Cup. Yeah, two Open Cups, right? Two now, yeah. yeah. Now, yes, but, yeah. I think they're the, they're the defending champions, right? Yes. Yes, they defeated New York Red Bull. Okay. So let's Speaking see. of New York Red Bulls, one last piece of news to talk about. There was an article they put out, uh, continuing to improve, developing talent throughout the organization, talking about New York Red Bulls and Red Bulls 2. Um, also, Ryan saw a rumor that maybe AS Monaco are looking at Tyler Adams. Who knows? We'll see. Um, discuss. 
Maybe Ryan can take the lead on this one. I was just, I thought it was interesting from the article that basically for any MLS2 side, New York Red Bull 2, despite their lack of attendance, I mean, they had just a little over 600 in their last match against Nashville earlier this week. But I still feel like, at least in the Eastern Conference, they are the champion team for how to run an MLS2 side that benefits the MLS side. I mean, you saw they won in 2015 when they came back in 16. We were all like, I mean, what type or start they won in 16 when they came back in 17 we were all like what type of team are we going to see they come in seventh place in the playoffs and eventually knock off charleston and tampa bay and route to a second consecutive eastern conference final where they lost to louisville it just shows that they have so much depth in their side and they continue to churn out some really good products like tyler adams vincent Bezencourt, brandon allen who have since left to go to bethlehem steel but that they almost have I don't want to say an endless supply of resources, just that they continually build up so much talent that they just have to be the flagship side for MLS two teams. Without a doubt, there's a St. Louis forward who, who signed with them, uh, Tommy Barlow. And um, I was so happy to see him go there, even though St. Louis didn't get him. And I think he could have gotten some playing time this year with them if he had, but um, to go to a side that good to develop. I mean, it's, yeah, like Ryan said, it's got to be one of the top five teams that someone wants to go to if they land at a two side, I would expect. Do you think so, even having your 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 side there, Kevin? Yes. <laughs> it's hard for you to say that, right? But Of course it's hard. I mean, good grief. No, I mean, New York Red Bulls, they've got themselves a fantastic little pipeline going, and, and I think that's probably one of the best in the East. Um, as far as the South would go, I'd say Dallas, hands down. Yeah. Um, but the West is kind of turning around. It used to be, I think, LA Galaxy was turning out, but they've not done so well in recent years. Seattle and Portland are catching up on that. I mean, Vancouver's got a fantastic residency program, but um, a lot of the MLS sides are, are academies are producing better. But there's still the front runners like New York, Dallas, and the like that are just, I think they're so far out in the lead. I don't know if anyone will ever catch them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys think Bezicourt has what it's take what it takes to get as high up as Tyler Adams? I, I kind of have my doubts, but who's the next guy coming out of Red Bulls? I wonder. It may take a while. They've had two really big ones in Miazga and, and Adams now, so. Yeah, we'll figure that out. So uh, just to keep things moving, I think uh, that'll be it for the news. Um, we've got one, two, three, four, five, a bunch of ding games to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you stopped at five. Just a few. So <laughs> some, I mean, I mean, probably people may not care about this, but since I've got Ryan and, and, and Phil on here in our, in our week pickums where we try to predict the score and the result for every game through what seven weeks i think the highest point total that anyone's gotten has been 17 a couple of us have picked out 17 you know a week here week there um this week everybody uh four of the five guys we we broke that previous record of 17 points in a week Mm. so i think the most anyone's gotten has been 17 points up until week eight where ryan hit 18 pony hit 17 and a half phil you got 22 and i ended up getting the record of 23 points nice dude so yeah pretty crazy we'll see how week nine goes do you think Um, we're getting smarter or do you think it's just the odds happen to be in our favor i think that as the season goes we know what to expect from teams because overall i think our point totals have been going up each week ryan certainly has been catching up Mm. um you know you and me are keeping up with pony who's usually pretty good at this sort of thing and i've actually both single-handedly put him in third place uh, we're both ahead of him by a good couple points can i repeat my joke go ahead have we perhaps knocked pony off of his high horse (laughs) it's better live right it's better live (laughs) or is it worse it's worse it's okay it's a dad joke yep of the ages. So let's see. What was the first game of week eight? Um, why is it starting with Portland versus Sacramento? So that you could talk about your team first. Okay. Because that match ra- or that match wrapped up while we were recording last week's show. Oh, oh yeah. Right. That's Cause right. we ended up having, we picked up those other results while we were recording. Yeah. 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 Salt Lake city, Ottawa, all those four. So yeah. So then the very next one we haven't talked about Portland versus Sacramento. Portland hosting Sacramento, and uh, yeah, none of us I think had Sac Portland winning. 
I think it was a draw, a Sacramento draw, Sacramento, Sacramento. You, I was even like, yeah, Sacramento's probably going to win. Um, that didn't happen. Portland Timbers two, two goals, Sacramento Republic zero. Um, Portland won on goals behind Espria in the 16th minute and Jadama in the 38th minute, um, giving the Sacramento their very first loss of the season and also first time all year that Sacramento was held scoreless, um, which is that's I mean, I think the fact that Portland ha- now has five shutouts tying uh, Orange County and Pittsburgh for the most in the league is probably the the point to take away from this. That's like, whoa, crazy. Yeah, you can. And also maybe the fact the attendance was apparently 1937. <laughs> that's a lot for a Wednesday night. Yeah. And you were mentioning how your, your back line is kind of an MLS back line against St. Louis, at least. Is that kind of been the case most of the season? It's not necessarily been like the case as far as the season goes. It's what it is, is that there's consistency and experience in the back line. So Josh Phillips from, you know, spending three seasons with Colorado Springs where they had a pretty good defense. Um, we picked up Nathan Smith, who has uh, some good experience from the LA Galaxy 2 and MLS level uh, LA Galaxy as they signed him. And he played, I think, half a season last season. And then just trying to keep that. And then Jimmy Mulligan came over from the Cosmos, you know, followed uh, Giovanni Savarese over Portland. He joined T2. So you, you've got this kind of experience level, and and the, the coach tries to play these guys as much as possible. So and then you're consistent. You're, you have some consistency. You're building chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, it's a significantly improved backline. Um, Jadama was signed to the first team from Tulsa, but he's been, he's been loaned down every game. He's, he's been like one of the best uh, center backs we've had for T2 in some time. So that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, against St. Louis, there was, they brought down uh, Vitas uh, for the left back to, he had to get just some recovery minutes coming back from injury. David Guzman played defensive midfield, getting some recovery minutes. Um, and Bill Toiloma, who actually did pretty well signed to T2. no, Played all of T2 last half of last season. And once he was signed to the first team, uh, this season shown that he's very, very much MLS level. And he also played, needed some recovery minutes. So he played against St. Louis too, uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the defense is significantly improved and that's going to help Portland have a much better season than last year. Yep. And then a game that we all totally expected this outcome, right? Speaking of unexpected outcomes. Penn FC, three. Tampa Bay Rowdies, nil. I think the uh, road version of Tampa Bay Rowdies continues to haunt that team. Um, but Penn who thought it would got... be this bad? I was shocked. Well, I, I I know. I mean, I don't know what any of us had said. What we say? Uh, yeah, we had person picks this correctly. No. no, we had Tampa Bay just destroying Penn uh, across the board, and it was the complete opposite. So <laughs> with that, it was Kyle Ventner getting the goal in the 11th minute and then Tommy Heineman having a brace uh, scoring in the 57th and 60th minute. So pretty I mean, crazy. They opened the year with a road win over North Carolina 3-1 on opening day. But since then, they've had four straight road losses where they've lost them by a combined 10 goals. That 1-0 loss against Louisville, 5-0 to New York, 1-0 against Charleston, and 3-0 against Penn. And conversely, in their three matches played, they've yet to concede a goal at home with nine goals scored. And I thought what was most shocking from this match against Penn was they didn't get a single shot on target. When you have a team with Marcel Schaefer, Joe Cole, Georgi Hustroff on it, I would imagine that they would get at least one shot on target, at least especially coming up against a side like Penn FC. But the fact that Penn FC hung seven shots on target against Tampa was shocking. That that's crazy. I mean, you got looking at four road losses, and you haven't scored a single goal. That's insane for for a team with that kind of talent up and down the entire team with good subs, attacking subs. I mean, it's just I don't understand how they can mess up this badly. Do, I, I've I've thought this sometimes with with teams, and actually, I wanted to talk to Billy about this later too about teams that are trying to play kind of pretty soccer in a league like USL where it, it works really well to still kind of defend out and, and counter. I wonder if some of those teams that are talented aren't able to take full advantage because it's just that much harder to play good soccer against teams that are just going to bunker on you and, and counter attack and, and succeed in this case, you know, Billy, 
I know your team's trying to play kind of nicer soccer compared to, you know, what they did with Nielsen. What do you right. feel about that? Uh, yeah, I, I do feel like that. And it, it's kind of, <laughs> it's, it's hard to be patient, but that's kind of what I'm preaching to, to the people that, uh, I talk to is we're lit. We're in a new system. Obviously, you know, we've got a lot of players. We've got a lot of new, got a lot of old that's kind of melding together. So that adds to it as well. But when you're trying to play the type of, the type of soccer that Steve cook wants to play, it's, it's tough. It's tough when you see how beautiful it looks, but you're just not getting the goals. Now this last game against Swope, we got the chances and we had, we had two or three good chances on goal that obviously we should have converted, but it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough when you have a team that's just going to bunker in. I mean, that's, that's something that was the joke with us last year against San Antonio. I mean, we were both just, we would just bunker in and it was the first team that could get a good, uh, could spring a good uh, break. And then that would be the team that would score that goal that would go on to win. I just see it's, it's crazy to see that, that kind of those kind of chances and not converting them. And I, I mean, Swope did, Swope did not look good against us, and that's why I'm, I'm curious to see how the, how well they do in their next match because they did not they did not look like a team that's you know top of the table or you know that top four or five in in the West as they are. So, speaking of top teams in the West, next game Real Monarchs SLC beat Orange County SC two to one. Um, that ended a two match skid from which they did not score a goal, uh, which was previously a two 0 loss to Tampa Bay Rowdies. Of course, that was an away because if it was at home, I'm sure they would have beat the crap out of them. And then a nil-nil draw versus Las Vegas. Um, so you've had goals from uh, on Real Monarchs. They scored in the sixth minute and the ninetieth minute. So it was kind of a late uh, late heroics there. Orange County got a PK. The forty fifth, Aiden Quinn converted that. Um, yeah, I mean it's kind of some of the top top two team, not like the top two teams, but top of the table teams duking it out and the home side wins. That seems about right for the West. What do you guys think? Well, you talk about, you know, two teams doing well. You talk about Red Bulls. And I, I, I don't even think anybody said anything about Salt Lake city though. Oh, I totally. mean, the two, the last two years, the, the runs they put together, I had no clue that they were going to do as well as they did last year. I mean, you just think it's an MLS two squad. They're going to load it up with young guys and they're going to go on their, on their own merry way and not care about results. But, so like it seems to be an aberration where they want to win and they're going to put the best. I mean, you got a guy like Velasquez that, that we saw in Oklahoma city with Rayo. He's good. I mean, and he's, they've got some great quality, maybe more, a little bit more seasoned than most for an MLS two squad. I was going to say, I think what they kind of go with they they pick maybe just a, a handful of like really special, like talent, young talent they want to develop, you know, and like maybe one or two specific positions. Yeah. And then the rest they're out with, you know, seasoned USL vets, um, some really strong, you know, MLS level like loans down, and they're just they're they're building. They're they're definitely right for a two side. They're building a team then to develop, and they're just trying to like pick a couple a couple specific guys in specific positions to develop while they just go through and just try to win as much as they can. Yeah. And, and that's fair. I mean, that's not. There's no wrong way to do it. No. In the league, as far as as far as a two, running a two side, and that's just one of the ways that you can do it, and they're being successful with it because that's that's what they want to do. They want to be successful. Yeah. I think I think guys in independent who follow independent teams look at that two team and the, and we think, gosh, that's how you do it. That's the best possible exactly way. Yeah, that a USL team can can play up against independents because. I completely agree with what you said, Kev, and I think they're doing a good job of it. And I want to back up what you said about them picking certain spots to put those young kids in and then surround them by a few veterans here and there as well that could even move up to the top to the top team. Uh, Chandler Hoffman has a decent chance of getting a look here and there by the end of the, the season. Team to win, let's play to win. Yeah. And then and then just, you know, here's a couple players that we want to try to develop. Just like any independent right. side would be like, we're building a side to win, but if we can develop one or two players at the same time, fantastic. So and, and I, I, think that's, were, I think that's exactly what. Yeah, to back up what you were saying was in the draft, they did this pre-draft video that I've talked about in the past, and it showed them in their very first pick, there were a couple right backs up, and they kind of wanted to grab the right back was the best 
pick off the board at the time. And they're like, no, we're trying to develop this kid. We can't pick him and then not use him in the Monarchs. This other kid's going to be in that spot. Let's pick someone else. And they went with someone else. And interestingly, that right back signed with the uh, Revolution got loaned down to OC, who they just played, and he plays as a forward for OC. <laughs> so wow. it's all kind of fun at coming full circle. But, um, you know, that's it's an interesting thing to see this team do what they do. Yeah. Um, up next, we've got Phoenix Rising playing LA Galaxy 2. Um, that one was a fun, interesting game. Um, Phoenix has now scored in seven of their eight games this season. Uh, the one nil loss to Real Monarchs back in April was the only clean sheet of their offense. And, uh, and LA's highest scoring match of the season was this one, I believe. More goals in this one fixture than their previous seven matches. They only had two goals combined through seven matches. So uh, that's a little crazy. <laughs> Very crazy. Hopefully they don't keep that up because I'm totally fine with them staying down towards the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> They're one of three teams left in the league with still without a win with Tulsa and Toronto FC two being the two remaining sides. Mm, how long will that take? I, I hope mean, a long time with Tulsa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy just that. Yeah, I was just saying that Pony posted a really good tweet on Twitter of a poll basically saying what's going to happen first. One of those three winless sides get a win or Pittsburgh gets a loss. <laughs> Love it. Did he did he just ask the question or did you set up a poll? He set up a poll. Who won? No, I can go back through the Twitter. Almost certain the losing you, side, the the people, the the losers are going to stay losers for longer than than Pittsburgh getting a loss. I think that's fair to. I mean, because if you even going back to Tampa Bay Rowdies, like once you kind of get in a route, you know, it starts. It can start to affect you mentally as a player. So, like, Tampa Bay losing on the road all the time is going to start affecting them and their opponents. Like, oh, Tampa Bay is a really good team. Oh, they're coming to play us at our home? Well, now we've got a chance. And the Tampa Bay is yeah. like, oh, we got to play to the game on the road. We don't normally do a good on the road. And it kind of sets that sort of expectation and kind of can affect things. So, if you keep losing games, like not winning games, then then as a team you're just like, well, we got to fight and do what we can again. But if we lost, well, so it just continues. But – as a team that's already winning with the expectation to continue to win, it's easier to think to keep that up than it is to try to fight for a win, you know? hundred percent. We'll see. Um, what's the next game? Indy 11 versus Louisville city. That's the first loss for Louisville this season. The first time they've been held scoreless for the entire season. Yeah, that was correct. Uh, Louisville with all their in shots, they, um, it was a UAT's PK at 78. That definitely, you know, um, handed them their first loss of the year. There's definitely no love loss between the two sides. I mean, and we saw on that there were seven combined yellow cards on the day. I mean, 31 clearances from Indy. And it just seemed like it was a very solid win for Indy and definitely one way to hand Louisville their first loss of the season. Yeah, perhaps this is a blueprint for how to do it. Maybe frustrate them, defend well, and, and get away with something. Perhaps maybe the PK was was well deserved and and well earned. But um, you know, Louisville got a lot of shots off, um, but Indy Indy uh, got a lot of clearances. I thought those two stats were perfect for this game. But um, you know, is this how you beat Louisville on the road? Just frustrate them like that? Probably when you get teams like this that you know come in expect to win. If you got to do what you got to do to grind out a draw, grind, you know, try to nick a win in the towards the end of the game. I mean, that's if you can, if you can get what you, if you like, basically, if you go a lot of win, hey, fantastic. That's game plan approved or whatever they want to do. I mean, I think this result still shows that Louisville will still like to control the match a lot more. I mean, you saw their shot total that they are going to attack the goal pretty much every match. Yeah. It's just about being able to limit those chances and stop them. That will be the key difference. And notice the possession wasn't as lopsided as the, the Penn FC game against Tampa Bay. So, you know, it's not absolutely ridiculous with, with possession. And Louisville typically doesn't get ridiculous with possession. So I think that's something to keep an eye on too, where, you know, compare... Uh, kind of the same argument. Are they trying too hard to play pretty soccer? And is that detrimental in USL? That's something I'm going to keep an eye on throughout the season. Yeah. Um, up next, we'll try to go through a couple of these pretty quick. Toronto SC lose to Pittsburgh Riverhounds 
two to one um, at home. Toronto got a goal in the 90th minute to make it a little bit interesting, but Nico Brett keeps up his goal scoring touch, gets one in the 12th, Kevin Kerr in the 36th minute. Um, looks like this was played in Rochester. So uh, previous two home games for Toronto against North Carolina and New York Red Bulls two had a combined attendance all combined of 167. <laughs> so, so move to Rochester and let Toronto pay the bills. I, I guess so. They've, but Hey, Pittsburgh wins. Like they got whatever they got going on is working great for them. So keep it up. Pittsburgh are the last remaining unbeaten team across the entire league. And, uh, they're a top three team in the East at the moment. I thought that Kevin Kurgel was, you know, we're going to talk about pretty soccer. I thought that Kevin Kurgel was the prettiest goal I've seen of the season as far as uh, passing it up through the gut and in for the goal. I thought it was gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, gorgeous goals in Lily Ball, man. We're talking, we must be in some sort of twilight zone. That was the other crazy part about it from Lily. (laughs) Watch Pittsburgh, y'all. They might be awesome. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh has been very well this year. I mean, yeah, people have talked about it and other rankings have heard basically saying that they haven't played anyone i mean of their three wins or sorry of their four wins three of which have come against canadian opponents and then one against atlanta united i still think that they were a very solid team this year they were able to get a 2-2 draw uh, with um fc Cincinnati, of which that they led for uh, a good portion of that match and i feel like not many people are giving them credit and but they're still unbeaten and going unbeaten through eight matches is something extremely difficult to do in this league. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm. So they got, they got, they got some good times, uh, I think f- ahead of them for Pittsburgh this season. Um, following up with that, Charleston battery faced Charlotte independence one to nil. Um, when, uh, at Tuala, am I pronouncing that right? At Guerrero, when he scores for Charleston, the battery have never lost. They have three wins and one draw in the games that he scored in. And Charlotte are now scoreless in their last four matches, being outscored 6-0 in that time. Mm. Um, Charlotte are also winless in their last five, a streak dating back to March. So not too good for them. They kind of started out well, but have not done a hot start. has turned into a very cold uh, early spring, early uh, (laughs) season. Sorry. I mean, also, with their first two wins, it was – Basically, they scored six goals in that time, and then they had a very good 2-2 draw against Atlanta United, too. But what was kind of stood out to me from this match was that Charlotte had zero shots on target for this match, but they were so close to you know, the total shots with um, Charleston have a slight advantage, 8-7. to seven. So it seemed like they were in this one offensively. They just could not convert on any of their chances. How many Do you, do you know offhand, Ryan, how many uh, goals Guerra has? I'm not sure. I feel, or I think that is just those four since he scored one in each match. Yeah, four. I just know he's been on a quite a streak. He's looking really good. I said that last week. I just uh, player to keep an eye on. That dude is really doing well. And am I pronouncing it correctly? Atuala, Atuala Guerrero. Uh, it's spelled that way. I think it's actually the A in front of the U. So I think it might be more like Ataula Guerra. Uh, we'll have to ask. Uh, yeah. If well, I am mispronouncing it, I do apologize sorry. to everyone in the world. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I try to take, I try to make sure I'm pronouncing stuff right. Um, the big uh, FC Cincinnati, the big big club that loves their attendance, played Atlanta United two, and they won four to two. Cincinnati got four goals, uh, Atlanta got two, and Cincinnati moves atop the Eastern Conference standings ELO rankings. So. Um, Here's an interesting pattern for FC Cincinnati in the last six matches. There was a 1-0 loss to Louisville, a 1-1 draw with uh, Bethlehem Steel, a 2-2 draw with Pittsburgh, and then it's a 3-0 win over Ottawa, a 3-2 win over Indiana, or I'm sorry, Indy, Indy 11, and then a 4-2 win. Indiana. I, I know. Indy <laughs> 11, Indiana, whatever. And then a 4-2 win over Atlanta. So, uh, Charlotte, since you aren't scoring, um, Dave might get five goals on you. Better watch out. <laughs> so the pattern is working out it is it's i mean they scored zero and then one then two then three then three now four so they'll either put four or five past charlotte and i may want to update my pickums this week <laughs> atlanta united for having as much like supposed attacking talent as they as they have or people say they have i haven't really watched the game i don't know uh they're winless in their last six so mm. 
Cheers to that two side. It's been hurting my pickles because I've been I've been uh, thinking they're going to do really well, but kind of as Pony was saying, they're uh, kind of he and I both agreed a little bit that they are similar to New York, but he's saying they're much worse than New York. So um, that is looking to be true, honestly. So um, anything about Cincy? We always talk about the attendance, but as as they mentioned on Reddit. Now that we've officially made it on uh, on Reddit in a negative uh, connotation, we finally did it. Um, you know, I did listen to Cincy Soccer Talk this week, not for that reason, but I was like, man, I need to catch up because I don't know why they're doing so well. I've had these thoughts about Cincinnati. Are they um, did they defend well in the beginning and they decided they want more attack and they gave up some defense for attack? And um, or is perhaps their defense falling off a little bit because they did really well early on with that defense. Before I say anything, does anyone have thoughts on that? No, but I will say what was the last episode? I was just giggling like a schoolgirl playing with uh, Google Translate, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah so I, I will go ahead and officially apologize to all the FC Cincinnati fans that messaged me on Twitter that weren't happy with that. I will say this much. It was just a joke. I'm just having fun. I actually don't have any hard feelings against Cincinnati at all. Um, but you have my apologies nonetheless. <laughs> hey, man, it got us on uh, got us on Reddit. And I don't think you get on Reddit unless you do something people get angry about. So, you know. That's true. We just had to knock that off our bucket list, you know. But, no, I mean, I've, I listened to Cincy Soccer Talk, and they, they disagreed. I put up that, that tweet asking this, the question I was kind of asking, like, is their defense falling off or are they just focusing on attack and have lost some defense? The Cincy Soccer Talk guys feel like that the defensive mess-ups with the two goals to Indy, the two goals to ATL, even Pittsburgh drawing with them instead of winning, um, they think that there's just been these little blips, that their positioning is definitely good. Um, and so there's just been these like little tiny screw-ups that have gotten the other team goals. And so, um, you know, I guess keep an eye on that. I have some arguments, you know, one way or the other in that, but I think I'm just going to keep watching them to see see what they do. Either way, their attack's looking very good. It doesn't matter how that defense is necessarily when, when they keep attacking the way they are right now. No, oh, exactly. If you score as more goals than the opponent, then you're going to keep winning. So And looking <laughs> really good That's all you got to do, it. right? Score yeah. more goals. <laughs> it's cool because I think Ledesma is the guy that everyone thinks is going to go on a, on a rampage and score goals. And he looks really good with his movement on the ball. And he looks like the guy that's going to score. But if we load up defenders up on Ledesma and a guy like bone is able to score a couple goals in a game like he did, um, that's really good news for Cincy. When you get that second guy to score a few more goals uh, throughout the season, when Ledesma's not doing it or when your striker, you know, Koenig or whoever else is up there, aren't necessarily scoring the goals. You get a guy like bone to score. You're in pretty darn good shape mid season here. Um, let's see up next. Uh, just lost it. So Colorado Springs and Reno 1868, they played to a nil nil draw. It's probably all we need to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, going on or, or, uh, Oklahoma city energy lost to Swope park Rangers one nil. It was a Swope park PK converted in the 86th minute. So, that probably had to sting, right, Billy? Stings a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So some stats courtesy of Pony. Um, OKC tied for the second longest losing run, uh, which is seven games, in the last five years of USL play, which surprises me because I know Portland was really bad last year, but apparently not, <laughs> not that not, bad. Not as bad. And they certainly didn't reach Antigua Barracuda levels of bad. So some silver linings, right? That's and right. Billy, if it makes you feel better, there is a team here in Scotland called Brecon City who went their entire league campaign without a single win. Oh. And that was the first time in 128 years of Scottish football that that occurred. Oh, I actually saw the math they were relegated in, but at least you're not Brecon City. That's right. I'm going to I'm gonna spread that out on our next podcast. We're not Brecon City. I'm going to take that all, all the way to the bank. It's so, It's tough to see, man. Especially when, I mean, we got the slow start last year. So, you know, you would think we have, we're a little bit more conditioned to it and, you know, you take it back, but this is uh, uncharted territory for Oklahoma city. And I, I, I trust the process not to steal quotes from the 76ers, but I trust the process and I think we'll be all right. I like the kind of football we're playing. I know it's, it's, I think Phil makes a great point with the way USL is shaping up right now. If you, if you pack it in and, and play that counter football, you, you seem to have a little bit more success, but it, now, it, 
Go ahead. Is that what Salt Park did? Because you guys led 17-5 in shots taken, and yeah. both both sides had four shots on target. So it's so it's a little crazy with 17 total shots. I mean, to be fair, I've seen it from the Portland where they've put in like 15, 16, 17 shots and only had two on target and didn't score at all. Right. So I know how that can be, um, but it's a little crazy you guys weren't able to score. And then, you know, Swope Park, they were efficient with the very few shots they took. They put four yeah. or five on target. Um, and one of those, of course, being the, the PK that they converted. So I, I actually expected Swope to be a little bit more attacking. I don't think they packed it in, but I think they were a little bit uh, more calculating with, with the way they played. Um, surprised that Belmar played. I, I really didn't I, I didn't think he would be in the lineup for this one. Uh, oh, his, but he was. He was, oh, but he was. Oh, he was there. I didn't know he was there. Yeah, yeah he was. was. He was. Uh, he was on the on the start sheet. He wasn't actually. He wasn't on the roster that we got from the league beforehand. But mm. he he showed up on the on the uh, eighteen when we when we got there on on game day. So it was it was a uh, unpleasant surprise. But he he didn't have a great game at all. I don't know if that's maybe a little fatigue, a little hangover from playing MLS or you mm. know training with the first team. Uh, he did not look that great. Uh, Barry looked a lot better to me than he did. And he was the one who actually stepped up and scored the PK. So it's, it's tough to watch from an OKC fan, but I, I got to stay positive on that one. I can't let it get to me, you know, at all. I'm going to be that beacon of beacon of hope. All right. Right after that, we've got St. Louis FC hosting the Portland Timbers two to a gritty nil, nil draw um, six match unbeaten run for St. Louis. The three wins in that time. But, Phil, your St. Louis have yet to score more than just one goal in a match this season. Mm. Um, you got four shutouts in the year, though, one behind Portland, which is pretty good. So um, I guess with, with both teams being very well, very good defensively, um, probably should have probably should have seen this game in nil nil. <laughs> <laughs> I think, what did you say? You said in the first three minutes you knew it was going to end nil nil. Yeah, see, that's the funny thing. So a day or two before, one of the, a, a Timbers fan – was in St. Louis, maybe to watch this game. I'm not sure. They got photos with uh, Jack Barnby, um, Vitas, and David Guzman, which was how I knew that Guzman and Vitas were going to be in the lineup because <laughs> they're coming back from injuries. And I was like, oh, oh, if Guzman's playing, I'm going to change my prediction. Previously, I, I had it on there as St. Louis winning 1-0. I'm like, no, no, I'll change it to for Portland winning 1-0. And I don't really know why I did that. I mean, with the addition of Guzman, I understand dropping St. Louis from one goal to zero, but there was nothing in there that really that I should have that should have told me, hey, Portland's going to be able to score a goal. Um, so I got literally no more points than I would have gotten with if I had just kept it the same. But yeah, after watching the first three, just the first three minutes of this match, I was like, yep, this has nil nil written all over it. Yeah, the whole game, like this is going to be a nil nil draw, and sure enough, that's how it worked out. It was it was. A, a very good defensive performance by both teams. Let's put it that way. Without a doubt. <laughs> and I think both teams, especially watching them together and, and we're both what you're want. Portland is one point above St. Louis in the standings and in, in what they're like fifth place or something like that. Fifth and sixth place. Yeah. It, they were like, they're like fourth, I think before the weekend ended. Yeah. So they might be sixth like fifth now. currently. Sixth, seventh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I knew it was around there. But, you know, both in playoff zone, just by defending, they're both really similar teams, and I didn't quite realize it till this game happened. And I was like, man, both these teams are just trying to defend their way into the playoffs and then go on a run 100%. And it's a really good strategy in, in USL. It's worked for a lot of teams out there. Um, do you Are you worried about your team's attack? Because I'm definitely worried about my team's attack. I'm not. Um, Jeremy Abubasi is injured right now. Uh-huh. Um, even with that, we still have Marvin Loria, Foster Langsdorf, Augustine Williams, um, Victor Arboleda. Uh, it, the, the hard part really is finding these guys who have the talent um, to at least put the goals away to just find the minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they'll, there's all these players are players that can go on cold streaks, hot streaks, you know, which which it, that normally is like just that's just kind of what happens. But to have so many of them to choose from, I think will help a lot. Um, Portland haven't been shut out more than I think twice this season. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I not off the top of my head. I think it was St. Louis and Tulsa are the only two teams that shut us out. Interesting. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Correct? Oh, oh, look so, at that. <laughs> look at my memory. Wow. 
That makes a lot of sense then because it makes sense too that, you know, I should be worried about my team's attack where they normally they're scoring like one goal a game, none in the last game. So that's starting to dip here. Um, but I am excited where we do have an extra slot and it's an international slot. If you do choose to get someone international and really good outside of the country, because I think, um, with Austin Martz going down, we do have a guy in Opoku from Columbus crew on loan right now, but I think we need a goal scoring winger. Um, how about Fernando Torres? Oh, you're right. We should get him. No, just, no big yeah, deal. Just, there you go. No Problem big deal. solved. Get Fernando Torres. He wants, you're, you're warmer than Chicago, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> we are actually, we'll take that. Um, yeah, go for it. And to steal I mean, any, anything St. Louis can steal from Chicago, they're happy to do it on top of that. But <laughs> if you're really, really desperate, I hear Wayne Rooney wants to come to the States. But no, I think St. Louis needs a goal scoring winger because we lost Austin Martz, who is just an athletic freak and speed and all that. Um, and our other two wingers are supposed to be kind of maybe, I don't know. They're supposed to get a, a few goals in throughout the season. And so far they're a little dry in that regard. And so if we could fix that, I think they're a little surprised by how good their forwards are. And I think that's why we could, we could deal Valeski somewhere else. And, and so I'm hoping that we kind of even things out by losing Valeski and gaining some goals on the wings would be really nice. And then also, well, I forgot to mention to Billy, I'm sorry about this, Kev, um, that I'm sure Valeski will really benefit from getting a lot more minutes with OKC, and I'm excited for him to get that. Me too. Yeah. I, I if you're looking for goal-scoring wingers, go talk to Minnesota United. I think they've got like 12 of them. Dude, yeah. And I thought we were going to partner with them. We didn't. And so here we are. Whatever. Mm. Sorry to cut you off there, Billy, but that's all right. We'll keep trudging through San Antonio over Fresno 2 one. Um, Fresno scored two goals, but San Antonio one to one San Antonio got a goal from Alex Bruce, Kyle Rainish with the own goal in the 67th minute. Um, Fresno got their one goal or one of their two goals from Jamal Johnson, in the 63rd. So that puts San Antonio on a two uh, match winning streak. I don't consider two games a winning streak, Ryan. I don't know why you put this in the notes. They've won two matches in a row. If they get a third one, then they're on a winning streak. Uh, With their three wins on the year, though, no shutout for San Antonio. has been a win this year, so that's good for them. When they get goals, they win, so I think that's kind of what you want to do. Fresno are winless in their last five, though, including four draws in that time. So uh, they've scored an eight of their nine, though, right? I guess that's a, a, a silver lining cloud for Fresno. But there's that team that I think they, they they just need to be better than they are right now or should be better than they are. That's what Pony says, right? They should be better than they are. Well, I think they're figuring it out because both these last two games, they were hitting on the break hard, and they were doing it really, really well. And all of a sudden, they kind of look like a really dangerous team to play. Also, somehow they got Fresno not to do uh, Fresno to not get a draw. So that's a pretty big feat in itself. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at look at how the, like, you know, San Antonio goes up in the 20th minute, Fresno equalizes in the 63rd, and that probably excites that away <laughs> side, start pushing. So that own goal in the 67th minute probably really killed that game off. Definitely. Uh, it benefited for San Antonio. That's, that's kind of one of those unfortunate things for Fresno. And I think they've been pretty unlucky this season. So that thing yeah. just, it just continues that. Um, up I mean, next we had, oh, do you want to say something, Ryan? Yeah, I just wanted to say up in my defense, I at least wanted to say something positive around San Antonio <laughs> because I think the four matches prior to this winning streak, the no-no draw against the Galaxy, the 1-1 draw against Toll Park, the 3-0 loss with Orange County, and the no-no draw against Fresno, which is a few weeks prior, are not indicative of how well this team can play. In the past two matches, they scored five goals, whereas in their first six matches prior to that, they only scored four. Or, I think it's really important, rather than saying, like, trying to be positive, I think it's really important to draw a line. Honestly, when Tierpak left, all of a sudden they started having this really more dangerous attack. Um, or it's definitely a counterattack. And before that, I thought they looked bad. I thought they did not look like the team they were last year and that they were not going to be good this year. I had less faith in them than OKC, in, in all honesty. But um, now they're looking very good. They just flipped a switch. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was tear pack. Kind of funny if you pull out an attacker and then all of a sudden get better. So that, that probably points to some sort of like 
potential issue in the locker room. But Maybe. yeah, you're right. I mean, San Antonio are getting better, and that's good for them and, and the good fans in San Antonio. Um, up next, Las Vegas Lights draw with Tulsa Roughnecks 1 1. Las Vegas score first in the 15th minute, Tulsa come back in the 44th. Um, Las Vegas now winless in the last four, have not scored more than one goal in a match in that time. Um, Tulsa with four straight draws, so they're getting they're improving. Um, Tulsa still haven't won a game though, but they're getting goals and they're getting draws, so that's going in the right direction for them. <laughs> right? I'm, I laugh, but I really have nothing. <laughs> so that's fine. So here's I, I want to mention this. So the attendance of the Las Vegas game, I shit you not, seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven. <laughs> I uh, gotta love Las Vegas. Um, up next, another one-one draw. New York Red Bulls two over Nashville. Um, I don't know why this ended one-one. Like New York is is, as Pony said, they can get a lot of goals and they can not get goals. Um, it's a fourth straight draw for New York. Their last win was April fourteenth against Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, each of New York's three wins, multi-goal games or like multi-goal wins. Nashville have not had a multi-goal game since April 7th when they beat Charlotte 2-0. Um, so, yeah, the 1-1 draw maybe was on, on the on – the should have been should have seen that. Who knows? I think I predicted that just because if, if New York is going to underperform against any team, I would say Nashville is that team. I don't remember what I picked, but looking back, it makes sense to me. Yeah, Phil, oh. you and uh, Pony both picked 1-1 draws, but I remember in the group chat, Pony said that if we didn't – <laughs> like just speak so harshly on this side, but it, I just don't understand how this could have been a one-one draw from it. I mean, you saw the two teams that it was a seventeen-thirteen shot lead for New York, but only five two um, shot on target lead for Nashville. That New York should just be converting better chances from seventeen shots to only get two on target at this time. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Boney wanted us to say bad things about both teams, but. I didn't watch the game, and I don't really have anything bad to say about them, so I guess we'll just move on, right? <laughs> uh, up next, Seattle Sounders 2, Sacramento Republic. Sac wins 2-1. Seattle got a goal in the 61st minute to kind of make things interesting, but Sacramento got goals from Mitchell Tainter in the 41st and an own goal from the Seattle keeper in the 82nd minute. Gotta love that. So of Sacramento's five wins on the year, three of them, they have scored two goals. That will be against uh, Colorado Springs, San Antonio, and now Seattle. Sounders 2 with just two wins at home. Their home opener against Portland 2, which was 2-1, where they got lucky for all of five minutes. And then a 3-2 win against RGV. Otherwise, uh, Seattle 2 has got three losses in their last five games. So up next, Seattle is going to be hosting Portland Timbers 2. We'll see how that goes. When in doubt, pick Sacramento 2-1 to against whoever they're playing. <laughs> I think that's exactly what I did when uh when it was they came to Portland. I was like, yep, Sacramento two one. But that didn't work out, did it? Which is no. fine because I was much happier with the result that actually happened than the one I picked. No kidding. Um, I mean, there was an article from five thirty eight who went through I think the past hundred and fifty years of English football and said that two one was the most common score line. Mm, interesting. It makes sense. I it mean, does. a lot of people say like two nil is the most dangerous lead. So then you give up a goal, and I don't know. I can see how a lot of games end two one. Yep. I think behind that, that second most common score line was one nil. <laughs> there you go. Not a lot of goals in the past hundred fifty years, I guess. Up next, Bethlehem Steel winning three one over Richmond Kickers. Bethlehem Steel with goals in the 29th, 68th, and a PK converted in the eighty third minute. Richmond started off well with uh, getting a goal in the fifteenth minute, but Bethlehem Steel ends a five match winless run and beats Richmond. Very good win for Bethlehem Steel, who have scored in each of the last four matches, but this is their first multi-goal game since the start of the year, which was also another win against Richmond 4-1 at that time. And Richmond have also scored in their last five matches, too, mm-hmm. but their only wins this year were 2-1 results against North Carolina and Toronto. But I think the big thing that stuck out was Bethlehem with 30 shots on the day to Richmond's just seven, and 10 of those shots were on target to just one shot from Richmond that went on target as well. Mm. So that one shot on target, they converted. Yeah, I mean that was a good conversion rate, but I still <laughs> feel like outside of that, everything that could have gone wrong for Richmond did went wrong. I mean, besides that one conversion rate. Well, I mean, how does it? I seeing a team take thirty total shots in ninety minutes—that is a shot <clears throat> every like three minutes, right? 
That seems an insane rate just to kick the ball towards goal. Mm. I mean, it's great you're getting 10 of those on target, so that, that that's really good. That's a lot of saves for the keeper to make. I mean, the fact the keeper made seven saves is probably pretty good. But, um, God, that's a lot of shots. That means they had to have had a lot of possession, too. Maybe. 53 yeah, in to 46. That possession, it was 53% for Bethlehem's advantage. So I wonder if Bethlehem may not be happy with that, honestly. Like, they're taking cheap shots too often. Or maybe, perhaps, I heard this really good conversation on my favorite podcast is the Total Soccer Show. And they were talking about, like, stats that they don't like. And and one of them was, like, shots um, and shots on target where some people will say, well, they had, like, 30 shots. Um, but sometimes it's like the other team's plan to let them shoot worthless goals outside the box because they know they can save them or most of them won't make it. In this case, obviously, if that was Richmond's plan, obviously it didn't work, but it it can be something where if you see a lot of shots, that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean the team's doing really well. Sometimes a team's willing to give up a million shots. Could also show a lot of frustration if you see that. I mean, because especially if they're outside the box or if they're off target. They're just trying to kick. They're just trying to lump it forward and get as many. Good point. Like, I'm impressed just with the number of shots. But, again, only 10 of them are on target. So 20 of those shots didn't trouble Richmond at all. And those were and those are the kind of shots, like you guys said, Richmond would, like, take those all day long. That's totally fine. Um, so, but still, 10 shots on targets, that's also kind of high. So there was at least some quality in there where they were getting it on a target. But that's where, that's where like, stats, like, expected goals – is a much better act like look at like which team was probably better. I don't, I mean, obviously we don't have those type of stats for this match, but it would be interesting to go and see, you know, how many goals you would expect given the quality of shot, where it was taken from and all the stuff that's used to calculate expected goals. And so I was going back through the Bethlehem match and of those 30 shots, we were talking about shot location, 18 of them came within the box and 12 of them were outside the box. Uh, however, or out of those shots, six of them were blocked. So basically, I think that was just more congestion in the box at the time. So they're getting quality chances at there that may just be holes in the Richmond defense. So I don't think it's as much as they were frustrated. They just got so many chances to be take shots within the box. And that goes to where you were saying, Ryan, where it's like everything that could go wrong for the kickers did yeah. for the match. So. Um, the last game we're going to talk about actually happened this week in week nine. Um, this was on Monday. Uh, Penn SC went up to host Ottawa Fury, and every one of us was like, oh, Penn SC is going to win. So what happens? Ottawa wins with an 87th minute goal, <laughs> 1-0, because why not? Pick up your first one of the season, Ottawa, sure. Just do that. Why not? Um, Penn's win over Tampa Bay Rowdies was their only multi-goal game of the year. Um, this might have been the same thing you were talking about before. I don't know. Ottawa sh- was shut out four times this year, still have only scored one goal in matches in which they've even scored in. Um, yeah, they're, that's pretty crazy. They, they got their first win. So yay. <laughs> I mean, probably hurt more was Penn. They were held without a shot on target this match when they just got done holding Tampa Bay without one. So to go from holding an offensive powerhouse like the Rowdies to without a shot on target to holding a team that's been in the doldrums of the Eastern conference to basically them holding you without a shot on target. It's definitely a one eighty. That just seems to be what this league kind of is. There's a, there's a, because when we talk about like the best teams in the West, best teams in the East, you know, we can pick one or two, three teams pretty easily. And then literally, every, and then there's, then you got your bad teams that are like one or two teams in the bat in the, towards the bottom of the, of the conference. And then literally everybody else is just a smorgasbord of like anything can happen. One day they can score five goals. The next day they can give up five goals. I mean, they can get, they can hold hold the best team in the league completely without a shot on goal, and the next time they're going to be completely shut out by the worst team in the league. I mean, that's that's not only what soccer is, but in particular what I think the bulk, the meat of the USL sides uh, tend to do. So, Well, if I can help out with this exact example about them, you know, winning 3-0 and then barely, you know, losing to Ottawa uh, 1-0, Tommy Heineman wasn't in this game, and so – Maybe this is a sign of how good Tommy Heineman is. 3-0 win versus a a good team against uh and then, you know, a 1-0 lost against loss against Ottawa Fury. It's pretty pretty big difference. Is he the only factor? Was this were there other things at play? I don't know, but man, that's something want, to watch. You want to know you want to know a secret? I voted Tommy Heineman as player of the week, of which he won. 
Um, the only reason I voted for him was I'm like, oh, it's Tommy. I'm going to vote for him just because it's Tommy. <laughs> so does that mean you I think he's really that win. good? Or? No, because I just think it would it it would piss off a, an unnamed team that happens to play in a, in a state that whose <laughs> whose letter starts and ends with O. <laughs> Although Phil, I will say with Tommy Heineman, he currently has three of Harrisburg or sorry Penn's five goals this year. Yeah. So I guess on the pick'em sheet and in our power rankings, we should say if Heineman plays this, if Heineman doesn't play this. Can we do that? Because I'm cool with that. I I'm would totally love to do it. that. Right. That's what I did with most dose in my pick'em sheet. Basically, I'd move them up if it's the last time would ever want to do one match down there against Didier Drogba. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you could have done it this weekend. That's true. That's true. I know. Hey, man, if I if I could just take a swig from a water bottle and just nonchalantly, you know, get an assist on a corner kick right after that and just be like, no, nah, it's just what I do. It's what I've always done. No kidding. Uh, I'd probably be not posting a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's all the news. That's all the matches. That's all from us. So uh, I'm hope, I hope I did a, a decent job subbing in for Evan. I um, hope everybody enjoyed this game. Um, don't forget to go to the uslshow.com. Check out Soccer Loco, one of our uh, sponsors. You can, there's a banner there. Click on it. Buy some excellent merchandise. Um, we are also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of US, MLS, and USL soccer. So, you know, pick up your scarves for yourself, your club, anyone. Roughneckscarves.com. And of course, a part of the Beautiful Game Network bgn.fm check out all the great shows i think all of us have shows on there um it's good so ryan where can people find you on the internet you can find me at ilm underscore ryan but i also write for indomitable city soccer alongside um pony who you can also find on twitter at iron pony chef good shout out there phil where can people find you, Mr. 2L2Os? Yep, those two things happen in my uh, Twitter handle for Phil Grooms and uh, STL Soccer Report on Twitter as well. All right. And Billy, yeah. let the people know where they can find you. Oh, sure. Uh, at Billy Dubs on Twitter, or you can find me at Off Pitch Podcast. It's our podcast video for Oklahoma City. Awesome. And I am Kevin McCamish. You can find me at PDX on Twitter, at PTK Podcast on Twitter at Stumptown Footy on Twitter. And I'm also right for StumptownFooty.com. And of course, I'm also on the USL show. So you can also find me at, at the USL show. There's lots of places you can reach out to me, complain about me, whatever you want to do. It's all good. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great week. Mm-hmm.